<laughs> and, and it's your boys, uh, Roshan Gomez and Jeremy Lim. What's up? And we are back again. Uh, After technical errors here and there. <laughs> yeah. Jane, are we okay? Do we sound good? <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Let let people have some joy in their lives. <laughs> At least some people are laughing. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully it's us. <laughs> yeah, so again, we are back. Uh, we are calling this uh, wrap-up for our basically cycle two. Mm. Meaning that we've done like four. We've done four episodes and so we are wrapping up the four. And um, yeah, so basically we've over this past month, we've done... Uh, who have we done? We've done... Aaron. Aaron, we've done Christian, we've done Putri, and then we brought back Samuel. Ah, yes. So Samuel is fourth. I forgot about my own brother. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've done four. Um, yeah, so what do you think? What are your thoughts? Any, any, any insight? It's really hard to connect all of them. I mean, it's been fun. It's, it's still going. Yeah. It looks like we're getting maybe a few more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Generously, yeah. <laughs> it 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 feels like at every episode we're getting just a little bit more legit, just, just a, little, a little bit, just a little bit more legit. We're waiting for our, our fans to help help us go viral or whatever <laughs> it might happen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So um, we a few of the more legit things we've done, we've gone on YouTube. So if you've not already subscribed, on please do channel. subscribe yeah. to our YouTube channel. It's really like at infancy right now. Mm. Um, we've also gone on um, iTunes. Mm. So if you are at rocking an Apple product and iTunes is your go-to player, you can always listen to us on iTunes. So yeah, you know, incremental steps. Mm. Um, in terms of the guests, I one common thing that I can see, except for Samuel, except for Samuel, <laughs> is there was a lot of discussion on your calling. Because um, Christian, Aiden, and Putri, Putri maybe not so, it's not un- so apparent. Right? Yeah, not so much an unconventional road um, compared to Aaron and Christian. With you know Aaron teaching refugees, something not many people would do. Mm. And I, I guess culturally, for men especially to become teachers, yep. it's not something that is uh, very common, mm. right? Christian to go on to become a conservationist, studying. Uh, clouded leopards in, in <laughs> Sunda clouded leopard in Sabah. Enjoying that time being isolated in the jungle for so long. <laughs> Literally becoming jungle man. So that's another, you know, really unconventional route taken. Mm. Then we have Putri. Putri again, I guess, culturally in Malaysia, there is a push for, not push, but I think it's socially acceptable for women to stay at home, especially when they have a kid mm. and for the man to still be the the breadwinner, breadwinner, but um, Putri kind of that's she's elected to not take that road. She has no disrespect for anyone who does, mm. but for her, you know, this is her calling again, and maybe she gets some pushback for for following that calling. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm sure some people tell her, you know, you should be at home with your son. I, I I don't think that's too far to imagine. Yeah, I bet there are some. Yeah, so they've all kind of like chosen these routes and um, he, actually even Samuel has an interesting <laughs> <laughs> he's young though yeah, yeah he's young he's still kind of searching for his calling but um, another common um, point that is connected to that is that they all have challenges in that their callings right mm. um, so with 
Aaron, he was talking about the daily grind of teaching. With Christian, it was the kind of, you know, he can't change the world. When, when he first got in, he thought he could change the world, but he can't. Mm. Um, and with Putris, of course, maybe um, her experiences as a woman being in a culture that has not yet I'm going to, the way I would phrase it is a, a culture that's not yet accustomed itself to having women in this new, uh, in these new positions. Lah. So, so because of that, it's difficult for her because mm. the culture doesn't know the society, the systems don't know how to deal with women in the workplace, for example. For me, lah, that's, that's how I would put it. Um, so they all have challenges, mm. right? Um, and it was interesting talking to them about those those the way they navigate those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have? Uh, do you do you feel the same way? What do you think sustains a person when it comes to navigating challenges? Is it truly passion? I think it. I think or it has it like to be competent or competence or, or something. I mean, uh, I remember. I forgot which speaker this was, but there there was there was the idea that passion alone cannot sustain it. Because if you're passionate about something and there are no, you don't have even like small achievements or wins to show for it, you're not likely to continue, right? Mm. Uh, I think this might have been the tiger mom lady, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember for sure. Jeremy, of all the people that refer, <laughs> I'm not. You an push back against this the most. <laughs> I do. I do. But I forgot if it was a TED talk or not. But mm. like, yeah, there was the idea that um, to to really enjoy something, mm. you actually have to be competent at it. Because otherwise, if you're not great at it, you don't... And like, there are probably hobbies you can enjoy. Like, I'm really bad at board games, but yeah. I love board games. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not... I mean, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be able to win anything based on that. Yeah, like, so you wouldn't make it a career. Yeah. So, mm. to some extent, com- competence can inform a kind of passion. Mm. Right? And so, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's good that, you know, these people... I mean, all three of our guests, inclu- well, including Samuel then, mm. like, have found something they're competent at and mm. and therefore they can be passionate about it. I mean, because put, for Putri, I think she wants to, she she wants to be an academic at some point to mm. continue to study law, to teach law, mm. that kind of thing. And so pe- it's good that people have found their passions and have avenues to sort of uh, pursue it. Do you think it's too um, hippie, um, <laughs> too spiritualist for me to say that everybody has a calling? Uh... Yes, because I think, yeah, I think there can be pe- people who like. I don't want to be all Joe Rogan because Joe, Ro- <laughs> Joe Joe Rogan likes to tell that like, you know you you're just, not working out because you're you're lazy. You, know, just, you just don't feel like it. <laughs> just a fun fact. Um, I think you should check out Joe Rogan has a new episode with Post Malone. <laughs> I saw that four hours on mushrooms. <laughs> oh my God. I saw the four-hour mark. I was like, no way. On mushrooms. They, I didn't know. I, I think I listened to like first maybe an hour. <laughs> I'm going to continue it just because <laughs> I want to take this journey with them. Okay, all right. But it's crazy. They're talking about alien abductions. I mean, if you're not on mushrooms, you're not going to be able to follow along. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like a scientist looking at these specimens <laughs> going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But back to it, like, um, where was I? Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, in terms of like cultivating your passions, like, yeah, people, like, there are people who will not because there are plenty of distractions out in the world. Sure. And so they don't really try new things. They can afford to, you know, watch Netflix and play video games like all day. And that was what Joe Rogan got into heat for. Because this week, like, he he said, like, he was talking about his own addiction to video games and how, like, 
it it doesn't do anything. You can train a thousand hours in jujitsu and you'll be a jujitsu like master. Yeah. Can do one thousand hours of video games and you will achieve nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that was his conclusion. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, like, there are video games that end, right? And yeah, yeah. Then people who make professions out of it, like. I mean, some of the competitive ones you can, yeah. but there are plenty of them that don't lah. And if you're just playing your friends, you're not, you're not, you're not honing a skill. Mm. You're just having fun. Mm. Then you're probably not going to get anywhere. So like, mm. it it's probably it really feeds into the idea that you know it is important to have that kind of space to explore like your passions to to find something that you're good at and enjoy. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I'm thinking like, can you have a calling to video games? Like, can you be? <laughs> I mean, some people because I think uh, some MMA coaches talk about like peop- there are people who are built a certain way, and yeah. therefore they can ha- they can land a punch like really well, really fast. Yeah. So I guess there are people who have I'm not one of them, like who mm. have really good like hand-eye coordination. True. They are probably born to play video games. Yeah. Because they will be really fast. Yeah. And they can they, they can win purely on that reflex alone. Yeah. Right. So there are people who are born to play video games in that sense. Yeah, I, I guess that's what I would call a, a calling. A calling <laughs> like you, you actualize your your potential. The, I mean, you're just a by a stroke by a stroke of luck. You are just a natural freak. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. the way Joe Rogan talks about <laughs> MMA people. You know, yeah. they are like natural freaks. No, but we are all built. <laughs> we are all built with innate talents. And then I guess your purpose would be to actualize that mm. innate talent. Yeah. Otherwise, that would be. Uh, basically a life not really well lived life we can even say that I would say that yeah mm, because I mean if you if you could land a really good like right hand yeah but you've never gone for like boxing training you would never discover it yeah yeah yeah. so I guess genetically maybe you could say there's something like that yeah I mean and even like in terms of your mind you know sometimes people are just like you're built for academics right <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'm yeah, still struggling I mean, to see. You no, know, but some people you get like okay. When we did the episode with Samantha, for example, you can just tell Samantha is made. You know, <laughs> she's made for creativity. She's made for writing. You know, there's just some people you can just say or see so clearly like this is what you're made to do, lah. You know? I mean, you're really good at it, lah. Yeah, yeah. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can be good at something and not love it at the same time. Oh yeah, I mean that was engineering for me. The whole way. <laughs> oh wow, you were good at it, huh? I could, I could, <laughs> I could see the difference, right? Because I got a second upper, okay. and I studied with friends who all got first, mm. and we would study for ten hours, mm. like from ten to ten. We'd go home, they would do another paper, I would go back and chill. Damn. That was the difference between second upper and first. I knew where it was, I just didn't want to. After that, though, are they f- living like really fulfilled lives? Do you, do oh, you? they're making so much money. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but are they happy? They look happy. Okay. It's hard to tell. But they look happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a friend over the week. Um, and then we were, we were talking about this guy who really struggles to... He's like... Uh, we know him as being someone who really wants to be in a relationship. Okay. And so he's very shameless in the way that he Goes talks to it. people and okay. girls and all right. that. And he was saying like, this guy is so well-to-do. He's rich, rich, right? Why can't he, he get a girl? Now, I was telling him like, maybe it is a stereotype. <clears throat> maybe it's a stereotype that girls want rich guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a part of it, but they're also looking for other criteria. Lah. Then he was like, no, bro. Money <laughs> buys happiness. <laughs> like, bro, what happened to you? Lah? What tragedy? <laughs> you watching like, How I Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Barney Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Like damn man, that's an interesting way to like orient your life. But man. I think when when I was younger, I thought that way. 
Yeah? Yeah. When I was younger, I thought that you know money money could buy happiness. Mm. Then what changed your mind? Uh, reading more, talking to more people. Yeah. Just more exposure, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Because if you if all you consume is the media stereotype, you would think that money can buy happiness. Especially like in this day and age where there's Instagram. Mm. Like, have you heard of Dan Balzerian? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah of course. So that guy perpetuates oh, that. Of course. <laughs> that guy Dan Balzerian, the legend. <laughs> the legend. Okay, if you don't know, he's a guy who okay, his backstory, he was in the army. No, then, the, the story is earlier than that because his father was somebody who was caught up in financial scams. Okay. And hid all the money he scammed. He, he, I think he went to jail or had to declare bankruptcy. But he got to hide all the money he stole in trust funds mm. that Dan Balzerian got to take advantage of. But he didn't build up his network through his wealth through that. Right? He was a gambler basically. No. So what? if you So if you… There are a couple of videos on the internet that investigate like how much he made. All the poker players are like, he's not even in like the top. What? Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a bit… That totally of, destroys the mythology yeah, of… Yeah, it does. But the, uh. ima- the image is really there on social media, yeah. Instagram. But people who've done the digging said like, he's just a trans fund baby. Uh, <laughs> so basically the way he markets himself, he, he's on Instagram, he's on the social. He has all these like… Uh, he's on a yard with all these women. Con- he and- constantly has to hire women. I'm like, I don't think these people are his friends. <laughs> is it hired? But he says they're not hired though. He has to. He has to say that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think soliciting prostitution yeah. might, be a, might be a crime in some of those places yeah. that he's been to. So he has to say he's his friends. Yeah. So, but he just basically projects his alpha male kind of. Yes. Uh, I may might be toxic masculinity la, at that point. I don't know. It seems to a very unhealthy form of masculinity. La. Yeah, but you know. I mean, he talks about like you know doing like a dangerous amount of drugs. He's talk. He, he's Spoken about almost dying multiple times because <laughs> of how hard he parties. And I think this might be the guy that had, might have had two heart attacks already. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, I yeah, went yeah. to the Wikipedia page and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to stop at his first- age and how he, he's not like a, a, a not. It's not like he's not a not fit guy. He's fit. Yeah, he looks jacked. Yeah, he's, yeah. I didn't know how to say. It. <laughs> yeah, he's jacked as hell. Um, he's young. Yeah, but he's had two heart attacks. <laughs> Your life is probably not going that well <laughs> if you've had two heart attacks. The only person that comes to mind is like, I think it was Lil Wayne mm. who's had at le- multiple strokes because oh he's been my. drinking cough syrup. <laughs> oh yeah, get, lean, lean. To get high. <laughs> That's bad, man. That's so, I mean, bad. I'm glad that people, I'm glad that, you know, people are finding their calling and not doing these things to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I don't, would you, do you think in carrying out your calling, oh man, that's tough lah. <laughs> I mean, you have people who like, you know, you talk about like you feeling feeling fulfilled in your life. If you have that sense of fulfillment, do you think you would resort to these sort of like, you know, self-medicative <laughs> measures? No, la, it's more like self-degradation la, to some extent. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I guess if you are, if you are pretty fulfilled, mm. you might be too busy to do all these things also. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, some people do it because they are overworked and… I mean, you think of your like Heath Ledger's and Michael Jackson's and… Can't imagine Lil Wayne being overworked though. He looks like, you know, he's constantly high. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, that's an interesting introduction. But yeah, uh, I guess this past month, um, people um, interacting with their callings and the pushbacks they get in that interaction. Mm. That's something that stood out this past month. Anyway… I'm trying to think about like for Samuel, has <laughs> he had pushback? <laughs> in a way, you know, I, I would say so? I would say that Samuel is not a conventional dude. Mm. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's not. And because of that, he he has a, like really, he can never work in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. He can't. He just can't. He was supposed to be a lawyer. <laughs> no. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to do it. He really wouldn't be able to do it. It's just like, he's so intelligent and smart, but in a totally different way. Different way. <laughs> like in a totally different tangent. Yep. Uh, he's like in, on a platform that no one else is on. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that way, his struggle is getting a platform. Yeah, yeah. You know, who, who especially in a small country like this, where in particular, I, in, in, like with the English medium, it's an even smaller group. It's so niche. Yep. He's niche of niche of niche. Mm. You know, so it's a very small group of people who are going to really understand and vibe with what he's saying. Mm. Unless someone can manage him, market <laughs> no. him, sell him. <laughs> Can't Maybe we need guy. to get Sharon Chong to manage, manage Samuel. Lim. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I don't think He so. needs some kind of direction in his life. <laughs> but I think that's the struggle, you mm. know. That's the struggle. I don't think he's gotten... I think... I think people would have told him to get a regular job yeah. or, or, or at least pushed him in that direction. I mean, now his full-time job is a, he's a teacher, yeah. right? Mm. But I don't think that's what he wants to do. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think in an ideal world, he'll be writing... Um, Movie yeah. reviews. Yeah, you know, okay, as a full-time yeah. career. Mm. But that's not... Lah, you know, so sometimes, again, you're calling, you can't really uh, monetize it. Mm. That's another struggle. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that's our introduction. Uh, that's our wrap up for the month. Mm. But we decided to go back to our negative one format and do a three-point discussion. And um, yeah, for those of you on your right to work or you might be running <laughs> on a treadmill, we hope this keeps you company. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of people have been saying that, you know. They use it as their commute uh, entertainment. Yeah, it's a f- again a f- it's a funny thing. I mean, it's not like our podcast is super famous or anything like that. <laughs> but because our friends and families do listen to it. Mm. So when we go to settings, they bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> like I was telling yeah. Jeremy the other day, we went for Putri, so happened Putri's birthday. Uh, and Ezra's birthday, her, her child's birthday. Um, and then just because of that, there were people like interacting with us about the podcast. Mm. You know, it's like different lah. Or even the day before that, I had gone to my friend open a firm. Mm. And then I, when I went in, then some people were like, oh, Mr. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm what so the? glad I haven't got <laughs> there. <laughs> then I'm sitting down with them. Then they're like, hey, bro, mulalah, jom buat satu session podcast sekarang. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, just do one podcast here lah. That's not how it works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a monkey doing a trick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Okay. Um, and then they just pull up like YouTube videos that we put up and they oh, play it. Wow. Like, guys, it's getting weird. <laughs> so yeah, the dynamics are interesting. But yeah, so what you say, people do listen. So yeah, our three points for today is number one, will Trump be re-elected? Mm-hmm. And connected to that, number two is DSN, Datu Sri Najib. Is he going to come back to power? Uh, let's, yeah. It's not going to be as political as it sounds like. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and three, um, does God exist? Okay. Because that's what we promised we would do, but we haven't gotten around to it. So. We'll do like a preview version. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a preview one. Okay. So, number one. Um, I mean, elections are coming. I don't actually know the status now. Is the elections coming soon? So, right now, the <laughs> Trump, there are, plen- there are plenty of things that led up to this point in time where Trump is trying to delay the elections. Yeah. Because he thinks that if he can delay long enough, the economy recovers, he's going to win. 
right? <laughs> so he believes that very strongly. Yeah. And he and there's another segue into it is like he's been opposed to mail-in ballots, meaning uh, the government or the election commission of your state mails you the ballot to mark whether who you're voting for, mm. and then you mark it and send it back. Sure. So he's saying there's going to be lots of voter fraud. Yeah. Traditionally, why mail-in ballots have been opposed by Republicans is because it allows the blacks that they've been suppressing. Because the way they suppress the black vote in the South is if you can't show a driver's license mm. or your social security number, you can't vote. Because mm. you can't identify yourself as a US citizen. They don't have driving license and social Some security. of them don't. Because oh. they are so poor, they, okay. don't, they don't have either. So oh. voter suppression is carried out in that way in the South. Sure. Um, so he's worried that now that mail-in ballots, the suppression cannot be carried out in the same way. Mm. And there'll be plenty of minorities voting. Yeah. And I guess they've also just put in a stimulus package. So I guess that's his... Uh, that's another thousand, no, $1,200 check. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but again, he's hoping, he's I hoping guess, it'll help, <laughs> that will help, you know. Mm, is Donald Trump going to be re-elected as president? Uh, I really don't. I really don't think so. St- statistically, it really doesn't look like it. Mm-hmm. And I'll caveat it here and say that... <laughs> Uh, at the last elections, I, I kind of spotted my, I predicted Had, Trump. Mm-hmm. I actually even remember telling you yeah. that I think Trump is going to win, mm. and that's just because I knew or felt how bad a candidate uh, Hillary Clinton was. Mm. I felt if it was Bernie, stood a chance. Yep. Uh, but I just feel like things are a lot more different now, mm. just because it seems statistically at a federal level and at a state level the numbers are really, really, really against Trump. Double-digit difference in all the swing states. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, you're talking about places like Texas. Mm. You know, it, it's… it's Usually a red state. Yeah. No problem for Republicans to yeah, win. Yeah, it's yeah. Biden, right? So, I would agree with you. I, I It just doesn't look like it. But I think the more interesting discussion to be had is the reasons why Trump came into power. Mm. Has that been addressed? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is probably no, right? So, I guess for the benefit of everyone listening, what do you think was the reason that Trump came into power? Uh, Hillary was a really bad candidate. For sure. 100%. <laughs> so, but I think that's, I think that is the main, that is one of the big reasons. The other reason is something that people don't often think about, like uh, in the Midwest. So, the towards the north of the country near the Great Lakes, um, Plenty of these places were deindustrialized, so mm. factory jobs went abroad to Mexico, to China, um, under the Clinton administration. Yeah. So these people actually still remember why they lost their job. Yeah. Because of Bill Clinton, and yeah. so that that affiliation of her with her husband mm. was one of the big reasons why people voted against. Because I think jobs were on people's minds. People were already underemployed, so they were working Walmart. 12-hour days, yeah. you're getting paid really badly. And actually, there's a lot of reasons why you would not like Clinton. Yeah. There's a lot. It, like, not to mention the identity politics stuff. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> maybe we, for benefit, it'd be interesting just to talk about why, very quickly, why Clinton is was a horrible candidate. One, the scandals that actually happened during her campaigning. Like, she had a phone leak. Uh, oh, the, for the, the email leak. The yeah. email leak yeah, scandal, yeah. which like showed like, some <laughs> stupid-ass emails that she was sending out. <laughs> Then there was her foreign policy. But prior to that, you know, she had a lot of uh, problematic uh, foreign policies with, uh, I think, Iran. Uh, she had that. No, it was the Libya one. The Libya. Iran and Libya, I think both. Do you remember what the Li- Iran one was about? Uh, I can't really recall. It was a while back. Yeah. Isn't one of the… Wasn't it one of the foreign… 
I think I think you're thinking about Benghazi. <laughs> oh, that's Benghazi. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Benghazi. Benghazi is in Libya. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, no, but I feel like there was a, a a thing with Iran as well. But anyway, basically, her foreign policies were pretty poor, lah. But have been because of like Yemen. Yeah, mm. there were a bunch of stuff. And then, like you said, the third point is the identity politics things. So you have people who, who are saying that you should vote for Clinton, Hillary Clinton, because she's a woman. Yeah. Which is which? I mean, if if you're in the Midwest, like you know, you're you're struggling with employment. You're not thinking about these things, right? You're thinking yeah. about like what can the gov- what can the Democratic Party do for me in terms of economics? And right? it's also such a stupid, dumb statement. It's a bu- it's a bad argument. <laughs> you should never vote for someone based on just solely based on. It could be a minor consideration at the most, but it mm. shouldn't be your sole or even largest portion of your, your consideration. What she did during her time in the Senate should have proven to you that she was not pro-woman. Yeah. Like you made a point that if you are really fem- a feminist, you would vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. She, you know, he would have been much better. <laughs> yeah. If you are a real feminist. Not just because she's a woman, you vote for her. It's, it's, it's her a, policies, the policy slate was way better. With Bernie. And it got yeah. worse because when people didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, they just marked it up as sexist. Yeah. Which is silly. No, because it it, 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 def- it deflects blame. It's yeah. no longer the Democratic Party's fault. It's your fault for not voting for her. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, number one, the reason why Trump became president is we had a very poor candidate. Yeah. Bernie Sanders could have done a lot better. But two, that there, there is also, I think, from what I feel is that there's a sense of defranchisement. Mm-hmm. I think when I, I was having a conversation you, with you a few weeks ago, we were talking about something like to this order that I think people are tired of being the villain. Uh, they're tired of being... Um, they're, they're, I think they're tired of liberals sort of painting conservatives as evil people for yeah. holding the beliefs they believe. Yeah, and so it's... I think I'm quoting you saying it's just a middle finger yeah. to everybody by putting Trump in. You yeah. Know? It's just that. It's just a statement. It's just a middle finger just to all of you calling us like this. Okay. Let, let's do this. You know, but, it's a retaliation almost. So th- that that speaks to why the base is always mobilized. So yeah. um, the way I remember the dynamic being explained is that that attitude is helped by 35 to 40% of America. Mm. These people who vote Republican no matter what. Mm. So these people are not going to swing. The and, re- and the liberal response is always like… Um, they are racist. They are racist. And more than that, they devalue their sentiments because white privilege. You are mm. the top tier of the world. Suppose, not only the country. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. You are… Historically, the system is for you. You should have nothing to complain about. Right? Mm. And then these people, individually, they beg to defer. Lah, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> they are struggling. Yeah. Republicans are not helping them. Yeah. <laughs> and so they are… Yeah. And so they are like, okay, historically, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm attached to this system that apparently oppresses. And, but I don't seem to be getting anything from this system. Yep. You know? So like… I'm just a bad white guy, white woman or whatever. Yeah. You know, so… So, so, so that 35% is mm. um, the explanation for why there's a solid base behind Trump. Mm. The reason he won is because of, of yeah. the, the loss of manufacturing jobs. These, mm. these certain swing states, they have suffered quite a lot from the fact that they're underemployed, they work two jobs, mm. they're living paycheck to paycheck. There are plenty of these people. Coupled with that was the fact that uh, analysis that I've that I think is quite compelling. Mm. Hillary Clinton felt like she was she was old or she deserved the Obama coalition. The Obama mm. coalition was plenty of young people, mm. plenty of like minorities, mm. these people who came together because 
Obama promised hope and delivered nothing. <laughs> right? But she, yes, we can. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> we're not going to actually. <laughs> so the Obama coalition mm. like was not mobilized. Mm. So they didn't come out to vote for her. And I, that's why she lost. I, I miss Obama. I mean, a lot of people give him a lot of flack. But I just miss the oratory, you know, the sense of there was some, <laughs> there was some dignity to the, you know. Yeah, but... He <laughs> was at least articulate in what he was talking I'll about. I always remember this, like, uh, Indian communist professor mm. who says, like, you know, Obama is just a smiling, nice, mm. very eloquent imperialist. Yeah, but because I guess in a very divided bipartisan system, he would in theory have been the person that bridged the gap. Lah. Yeah. See, <laughs> this is really going to be a deep dive. I don't think I'll go too long into it. Mm. But the idea was that he tried. Mm. But the Republicans thought to themselves, like, why would we reach across the aisle? If we let you have a win... You'll be the hero. Yeah. The win is affiliated with you, not with yep. us. Yep. So that's what they did for all the Obama years. They, they just push like... Back. They yeah. push back, push back. Yeah. The, all the debt ceiling stuff, yeah. shutting down the government. They knew they weren't, it wasn't going to be good for them. Yeah. Okay. So we have two main kind of, in our opinion, reasons for Trump. Mm. One, candidate, bad candidate. Two, sense of vilification, defranchisement, whatever. Mm. Now, let's look at Trump. Okay, let's look at the candidate. We have Joe Biden. Mm, great candidate. <laughs> <laughs> the, I have to say, the Democrats have this amazing ability to choose the worst candidate. Yeah. At this point, it's like, <laughs> what's happening? Like once we can understand, <laughs> twice though. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. I hope that's why I'm hoping after this there won't be a Democratic Party anymore. And it's not <laughs> and it's not like they had no options. They had oh. good candidates. They had uh, okay, I really think you know, I'm not a socialist. Uh, I guess you'd call me a type of capitalist, I guess. Actually, I don't even know what I am, but uh even I think Bernie Sanders should be given a shot. Yeah. Just because he's been so damn consistent. If you talk about someone being authentic, Mm. I think Bernie Sanders is authentic. La, <laughs> right? He stood by his position for yeah. like 50 over years. He's like, you know, it's crazy. Like if you look at older pictures of him, he looks old all the time. Like, it's, No, but he's been saying the same thing since <laughs> then. <yeah. laughs> and, uh, but it's not only him. You had Andrew Yang. Sure. Andrew Yang would have been a good candidate as well. Again, he's someone who probably can bridge the divide. You know, he's capitalist, but at the same time, socially, liberal. So, an interesting intersection. Uh, at least a compelling candidate to consider. He would have been a bit too fresh. Because he, yeah. he had no experience in politics. Maybe. Yeah, but I would argue that's what you need. Mm, okay. Um, I guess that's Trump also. And then there was... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there was another lady. I can't remember her name. Elizabeth Warren. No. Kamala Harris. No. Uh, Amy was, Klobuchar. I think maybe it's Amy Klobuchar. She, yeah, but her, she, she had she, interesting debates, lah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, she was famous for defeating like Pete Buttigieg in a debate or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. You might be thinking about her, but she's no longer in the running to even be vice president because she, her she's a senator of the state where the George Floyd protests went down, mm. and she's been criticized for mishandling it. Yeah, I've yet to see anyone who's been really firm for the handling handling of. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a bit hard to say. 
whatever you do, you're going to get criticized. Lah. It's, 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 <laughs> doing nothing is an yeah. option, actually. <laughs> you might be criticized for doing nothing. <laughs> like when buildings are being burnt down oh, and you just okay. sit down and do nothing. You're going to get criticized for that. Lah. Sure. Uh, yeah, so there were so many good candidates. I don't know, how the heck did Biden... And he's been saying weird things. And <laughs> he's been, yeah, he's been senile. <laughs> he's been really <laughs> There was that funny one where he was saying this. He was trying to recite the... The pledge of in the pledge of allegiance. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then he, he was like, "You know the thing." Yeah, midway, he's like, "You know, you know the thing." <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh man! And then he has this weird thing of like sniffing people. And, oh yeah, he's like. I mean, it's not he. He's not a serial like sexual abuser. Yeah, it's not malicious. Yeah, but he's just creepy. It's weird. Yeah, it's very bad. It's, it's very weird. But not malicious lah. But again, like of all the candidates, yeah. you chose this guy. Because he's, I think the people, people want to go back to the Obama years. And they found that black people did vote for Biden mm. because they thought he was a stand-in for Obama. Actually, I had a, I heard a compelling argument in that um, Biden is the least threatening yeah. of all of them. And so that in because, itself is appealing. Because he's a moderate, like his voting record, uh. he basically votes center Republican. Yeah. So. But it's not only that, like, he doesn't stand for anything, you know? Yeah, he doesn't so, stand for anything, yeah. So he's like a white, like, blank slate that, yeah. you know, you can, like, project whatever you want to project. And yeah. So he's not threatening to anybody. So it almost, he's like a default kind of a safe choice. Lah. Liberals are playing it up even better than that. They're mm. saying, like, uh, don't worry about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to die. It's important who we vote, who we, who we pick as vice president. Oh <laughs> like, my god. Because they were like, you know, you can expect Joe Biden to be a one-term president. <laughs> even if he sees out what sees out one whole term, he doesn't die between like 2021 20, 20, and 2024. Dude, I feel for <laughs> his life, man. Being a president is not easy. No, nah, I mean he's not gonna get shot. I think he's just gonna No, die. but <laughs> you know, you know, remember like when Obama became president oh, yeah. and how he aged yeah, tremendously yeah. <laughs> like after eight years? Like he was like completely two different people. Yeah. Imagine that for Biden. Yeah. He's going to be a skeleton. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's not going to be anything left over. <laughs> okay, so we have a weak candidate, but at the same time, a strong candidate because he doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. So, in that way, he kind of has this weird kind of jiu-jitsu move against Trump. <laughs> right? Okay, good candidate. Great. Now, the sense of defranchisement, verification, uh, maybe a, even a form of in, like a insecurity, lah, I guess, in, of your position or value in a particular society. Has that been addressed? No. no. Uh, but I mean, uh, you might level a different argument, but the way I put it is that the people who, the proper conservatives, they're still going to vote Republican. Yeah. The difference is that the people who are economically disenfranchised, yeah. they are going to vote for Biden this time because they realize mm. that Trump didn't do anything. So you, you might say, uh, people who are more well-read on this might say the job numbers are going up. Mm. You know, they've been adding jobs to the economy. A lot mm. of these jobs are actually just service sector jobs. The retail sector has just exploded, mm. right? And so people are working in Walmart. Again, it's the Walmart example. People are working like DoorDash. Mm. Uh, I mean, basically our version of like GrabFood and Uber mm. to go by. To, the gig, to gig economy. The eco gig economy to get by. La. So mm. these people have realized that Trump is not making a difference economically. Mm. So because he's done such a bad do job, they might vote for Joe Biden as a middle finger to Trump, <laughs> who which they voted for in the first place to give a middle finger to Hillary. It's like, so fine, it's, we're going to put in a Democrat just because we hate Trump. But at yeah. the same time, we're going to… This is like a double middle finger to both. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. time, they're going to give you the worst Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're thinking about that consciously. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah. They'll be like, whoever the… 
I think uh, Chapo Trihouse joke like they put Oprah Winfrey there. Oprah Winfrey would win. They put a monkey there, the monkey would win. <laughs> oh man, Jeremy, we haven't considered though. Putting the monkey there? No. <laughs> the 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 David of this Goliath story. Which is Kanye West. Oh gosh. Kanye West. <laughs> he's the chosen one. He's too he's too bipolar <laughs> to submit his like Gishan documents or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He can't make I it heard that office. he didn't even put in his papers. No, he didn't. He didn't even put in his papers. He was supposed to, I think. I don't remember when. <laughs> that guy is going crazy, man. That yeah, guy. that's not happening. La. I mean, it was good fun. Mm. It's good. I think wait, was it? I think the year Obama ran, mm. Obama ran. Like, have you heard of Waka Flaka Flame? Yes. The rapper. I have. <laughs> he also wanted to run for president. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if they all ran, if they all actually filed the paperwork, you know, they're going to get some votes. <laughs> I'm really sure that the next election, Dwayne Johnson is going to run. I have a very strong feeling. <laughs> I have a very strong, 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 strong feeling. Yeah. So it's, it's, in, it's in the Arnold Schwarzenegger tradition, right? Yeah. yeah. And like um, people were joking that like they were looking forward to uh, George Clooney becoming a senator. <laughs> 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 oh, he, he will could, win though. He will, he will win. George Clooney would win. He would win. Yeah. Tom Cruise wouldn't win. Brad uh, Pitt might win. No. I think I think Clooney, Clooney as a... Like he looks competent. He looks way more competent. Yeah. Brad Pitt looks like, you know, he just like kiss babies, take your money. That's <laughs> true. Leonardo also wouldn't win. Like yeah, Clooney has this kind of yeah. like... Clooney, yeah. see, even in the, in his movies, he plays competent characters. He's the leader. <laughs> Batman doesn't really count. La. <laughs> no. Okay, let's forget about that. <laughs> That's what he would like you to do. <laughs> um, but there is still that, I think that sense of defranchisement, uh, that sense of, I think no one wants to, I think at the same time, it's unfair. La, because you, in, you don't, to, to put, to inherit the sins of your ancestors can be, uh, you know. I think I think that's that's viewed purely through the culture war lens. The mm. idea that um, the bat the like battles that happen in the media mm. is what actually shapes the election outcomes. Mm. So uh, I think you and I might have a difference of opinion here, but I think um, culture flows from politics rather than pol- politics flows from. I mean. You you have culture, mm. the, I mean politics that shapes culture rather than culture shapes politics. So because the politics are this way, culture is seen through this lens of the battles of like sentiments, people being hurt and all that. But I think the politics of it is still what is really important when it comes to like people, how people think about mm. economics and all that. And the values in that sense, mm. the values that sort of play out in the media, I think are just caricatures. Yeah. No, so I think there is a there's a culture, then there is a type of um, maybe there's things on the ground that is happening that feeds up to the to politics, right? But politics mm. like maybe amplifies mm. or kind of like because they have politically you have an agenda, right? You want to sell something, so you spice it up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so like for for example, the left, what they spice up, they play the victim game to the max. Mm-hmm. You know, you have been oppressed. Your whole story is oppression. And because from the get-go and in every area of your life you've been oppressed, we you need vindication now. You mm. you need to be, you know, uh, you know, reparations or whatever. You need to... The, every uh, failure in your life is due to this oppression. Of course, you can't succeed. The system is set against you from the beginning. And they push that story. And while there might be some basis of truth at the bottom... There's a lot of fluff added to it. 
And at the same time, you go on the other side. Um, maybe um, white, maybe you know, like black people are not saying that uh, white people are villains, but then you have politicians who, like Republicans, who who who, who push that up. Like you know, you know, they they are saying that America is racist. So for me, the dynamic is fully reversed. So mm. for me, it's the idea that the people who are setting the agenda in politics mm. are all people uh, generally of the elite. doesn't matter mm. which color. Mm. Uh, Republican, Democrat, black, white. These, the elite are the ones setting the agenda. They, are, they don't want to pursue economic change. Mm. They deflect it by talking about culture and identity. Mm. So for me, that's in the reverse. Politics sets the agenda for culture. But things like uh, police brutality, for example… Mm -hmm. Those things are phenomenon that happen at a societal level and mm -hmm. then politics grapples it or, or adopts it, right? So you wouldn't… I mean, the, the counter-argument to that is that the, the reason police brutality exists is to enforce elite privileges. So like you have mm -hmm. examples of like people who are… people who are fairly affluent. Mm. Like they… I think there was this case. This lady was, lady, was labeled a Karen. Mm. But like uh, this person… That's um, another funny thing, you know. This is a Karen thing. Yeah, this Karen. I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but yeah. in this case, I think it does. It is. It is very telling mm. because she just didn't like this black person sitting down in the park, mm. and so she was like, she the the black person was just looking around. And but and that's the interesting phenomenon. So like, when you call someone Karen, you're talking about a specific type of woman. Let's let's roll. I'm I'm not going to talk about the identity stuff because okay. I'm not going to disagree that this Karen thing is. Yeah. Uh, as much as people try to make it a phenomenon, is not actually what we should be talking about. Mm. But this person, white, fairly affluent enough to have like a mm. bread dog, sure. um, I think they got her fired from her job, which I don't agree with. But mm. this person was treat would, was calling the police, was on the phone with the police, mm. as if to get rid of a pest. Mm. So the attitude, because the black person was filming it, she was on the phone mm. with the police as though this person didn't belong in a public space. Mm. So people have been using that. So that is an instance where her politics, informed by economic uh, economic position within the society, being middle, upper, I mean, upper middle or an upper class person, mm. was able to eject someone they didn't want to see in society through an institution, the police. But her views about that black person is not political. It would have been social. Like, yeah, yeah. stereotypical. But I, think, but I think that kind of, that kind of economic interest is a kind of political statement. Like, because mm. how else would you interpret that, right? Because mm, mm, mm. like she she wouldn't like, yeah, I guess she wouldn't like know instinctually that black person is rich or poor. Yeah. But it it does have a kind of political link. Like, white white people do tend to think that black people are poor. Like. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there is basically a, that's racist. Like. It, to some extent, yes, yeah. I would agree that. Mm, 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 mm. So, yeah, that's why I think the dynamics of that are a bit reversed. So, but has the problem, is this problem of defranchisement or like people feeling like villains or or clumping them with the sins of a system that maybe is inherently racist, does that need to be addressed? Um, In your long, estimation? Long term, yes. Mm. Uh there are two ways to go about it. And this, is, this, this will be a bit of a, ref, a reflection of uh, what we've talked about before. Because you brought up like this example of this guy who befriends KKK people and converts yeah. them, right? Daryl Davis. Yeah. Mm. So that's a personal conversion thing, mm. right? And that can happen on a one-to-one, -one, mm. right? But that's not a systemic thing. There's, mm. it, it, you're not talking about uh, someone who will 
convert thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands. For that, you need something much bigger. Mm. And so, when I was reflecting on it, I'm like, so is the solution really to have like a thousand of these Daryl Davises? My answer is no. My answer is to just have these, one, the ideas themselves defeated in a public sphere. Mm. Meaning it's thoroughly debunked. Mm. Um, so you, you can bring up the counter argument that uh, telling people they are bad people for holding these views is, pro- is going to make it worse. They're mm. going to be more entrenched. They're going to be more fanatic when you tell them, hey, the views that you held for the past 10 years, mm. those are evil views, right? Yeah. So people are going to get more, more angry about that. But I think there is a way to go about this like battle of ideas mm. in a way that does like, it, it will push the people who are on the fence towards the side that is better or mm. in what my opinion is better and for the people who are like hardcore going to stay there, mm. they're just going to have to be, they're just going to have to, we're just going to have to reinforce the idea that these kind of racist, sexist, or um, homophobic views are not mm. welcome in society. Yeah, so you're saying it's going to get worse before it gets better, sort of. That we, will, we, will have to, we will have to do debates to yeah. try and win over the people on the fence. Mm. We are going to have to just like continue to beat back not I, isolating is probably not my solution, mm. but like to have the idea that for the people on the fringe, mm. really the leaders of these people, mm. uh, I mean the who what would be an example, like Milo Yiannopoulos, mm, like mm, these mm. kind of people, mm. them their views are not welcomed. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Um, it's probably a two prong approach, like You need, uh, but again, you need engagement. Engagement for sure. But again, it should be engagement of ideas, not an attack on I don't, people. But I don't think it can... Oh, so, I mean, <laughs> because uh, interesting, like, left-wing YouTuber, like, mm. uh, last week, Michael Brooks, mm-hmm. he suddenly died of a, a blood clot in his throat. But he mm. was someone who had an interesting quote saying, mm. like, uh, you fight systems, but you love people, right? Oh. So like, It sounds like a riff of a Christian... Yeah, yeah, it hate, does. Uh, hate the sin, love hate. the sinner. Or yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, a bit, it's a bit like that. La. But like, he had the approach that you talk to people. So he was able to convert a lot of liberals yeah. through, this, through this method over to his like, sort of more left-wing positions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there has to be a two-pronged approach and you have to be pragmatic. We can't have like one, we can't have like one approach. We can't cancel everybody we disagree with. Sure. And also like, there is um, a level where it gets crazy. La. Like, I think a big problem is now the big problem is you're attacking people um, mm. and also you there's like a like you know I think the burning of like burning statues destroying statues, oh, yeah, destroying statues yeah I think that's like because their argument is this statue for example represents let's not even talk about civil uh, civil disobedience no let's, let's not talk about um, riots the 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 Ah, what's the ne- the the confederacy? The confederacy. Let's not talk about those kind of uh, statues, lah. Right? Um, let's talk about um, Thomas Jefferson or, mm-hmm. or or George Washington. Yep. I mean, these people had slaves, mm-hmm. right? But because we uh, retrospectively now we know slavery is bad, right? Mm-hmm. At the time they didn't. So now we look back and say, oh, you were bad people for having these ideologies, mm-hmm. right? And so we destroy everything. Uh, and we we cannot you know we don't exalt these people or don't look up to these people because of these things. Mm. But I feel again that's not really attacking the idea. 
as as much as it is attacking the person. And so I think there's a pushback because people feel like that's not the narrative that they've they've kind of that they get. They don't look at George Washington or Thomas Jefferson and say like this is a racist and so we support him. No, they look at them as the founding fathers. They they believe that America was built on inherently good principles, but problematic at a certain uh, in terms of implementation. So I would agree. I would agree with you that the rush to pull down statues is flawed. Mm. In so, but uh, but the one caveat I would put is that what are statues for? Yeah, right. Statues serve the public function of like, like public statues themselves don't embody all the nuance that you just talked about. Sure. And so, to me, taking down the statues don't necessarily make a big difference. Mm. To me, the problem is that liberals think it's a real victory when it's a purely symbolic, doesn't do <laughs> shit victory. Yeah, your argument is like. The statue thing is just bullshit. We haven't changed society. <laughs> we took down a statue. That's it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but on some level, like I like, it is a situation where I have to agree. With, like I have to agree that there has to be some nuance to it. You want to preserve the ideas. Those ideas could be preserved in a textbook, not a statue. It's yeah. possible. No, I also understand. Like for example, I think about it like a Nazi statue yeah. or Hitler. Mm-hmm. Then in my mind, yeah, that seems a bit ridiculous to have that laying yeah. around. I get it. But then there is a line, lah. There is a line, you know that that because I think I uh, I think as much as there is a line, times change. So I think taking down the statue as times change mm. is not so much the issue. I yeah. To I, me, I give you just another before we move on to the next point. Just another example. Oh, the AOC one this morning. The AOC one. I think that was crazy. I mean, I understand I don't have that the context. I only saw the headline, so you're gonna have to give me a bit. Yeah. So basically, I I maybe this is unfair. Maybe it was a mistake on her part. But she was at the crypt of I think uh, one of the saints. No, no, she was at Washington DC. Okay. I think at below, uh, I don't know which building it is in particular, one of the houses. Lah. Mm. And they have a crypt. So they have statues put up representing important people. Lah. So for Hawaii, for, mm. I mean, each state has like one. For Hawaii, they have two. And one of them is Damien Molokai. Same Damien Molokai. Okay, yeah. Right? And he's and she like basically, to be fair to her, she went through all the statues and she was saying, look, all these statues are men. All these statues are white. And this is an example of institutional uh, the white uh, supremacy and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. She pointed at, then she did a separate slide on Damien Molokai. She said, look, even for Hawaii, we have a white man, right? But the thing is, Damien Molokai is a very interesting guy. Damien Molokai in his 30s went to Hawaii when Hawaii was used as a leprosy island, mm-hmm. right? Damien Molokai went there. He built up you know, he was building orphanages, um, putting in systems, building a structure. And he went there knowing he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? And he was servicing the leprosy community. He contracted leprosy, which mm-hmm. he knew he was going to get. And he continued working, building up the community until he died. Right? right? He was celebrated in Hawaii. He's loved by the people of Hawaii. Um, people like Gandhi, you know, that's how old he's doing this. Like, even people like Gandhi uh, uh, celebrated Demi Molokai. Mm. Then you take this person and you clump him up with white supremacy and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a man. Yes, he's white. But that's not all who he is. And that's the problem when you attack things like in such superficial… So, but would you prefer that we actually attack him individually? I think it would be better if you looked at his uh, individual… Mm-hmm. Don't look at him as white. Don't look at him as a uh, man. Look at him as an individual. I guess that would be more helpful. Okay, you know. So the issue, like, there's another saint that has a big problem now. Hunipera, Hunipera, 
Sarah. I, I don't know when I'm pronouncing his name properly. But he, he also, statue's been pulled down in um, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But his one is because he went, he, again, he was someone in his late 30s, early 40s. He left, I think, Spain, went to, um, you know, they were part of the oh, colonies. To, 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 to evangelize to Native Evangelize, yeah. So then he builds up these communities, builds, you know, does a lot of westernizing. Mm-hmm. And he also beats uh, or, or uh, encourages uh, corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a time where they looked at themselves as superior because they looked at these people as like barbarians, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but he would only take it as far, but if the red Indian or the natives were westernized, he would be their best friend. You know, so he was a defender to Native Americans when they were um, westernized. But otherwise, he, you know, if they ran away from a, a camp, he would, you know, encourage them to pull him back and like discipline him, corporal punishment, which is bad. So that in that situation, I look at a person, okay, we can have a discussion about this person. Okay. It, you know, it's not just… Be, he, so, but how are you so certain this discussion hasn't been had? I Well, I haven't seen it. I haven't I mean, seen it. could… I mean… If in a fictional situation where the, the protesters, mm. 200 people sat down, discussed it, <laughs> they had a pros and cons list, they all voted, they all voted to take it down. How would that make a difference? Well, I mean, again, if they are, if you are attacking something just based on it being white or male, it seems silly to me. Like, it seems problematic to me. But if you're looking at the individual and you're looking at the things that that person did and represented mm-hmm. and that doesn't jive with your society and you want to take that statue and move it to a museum. Why move it to a museum? Well, because you, you we should… It is part of history. I'm definitely yeah, against not, erasing history. Yeah, but it's not gone from history. It's still in books. Why would you need a statue? Well, what's the function of a museum? You know, the It's museum, a preservation of history. That's different from a statue because statues are put in public places to yeah. sort of signal to people that this is someone to emulate. So when this yeah, is this that, is but that, that would be fixed if you move it to a museum because a museum doesn't have that that purpose. I don't know. You if could you... have a statue of a Hitler in a museum. I think that's fine. Because if it's within a context of a historical setting, you're looking at this guy who was maybe celebrated back in the so, day. So but if it just so happens the museum already has this dude, I don't what would the what would the opposition to be taking just taking down the statue be? Outside. Mm. Uh, I mean if there was like like you said, there was already a record of him in the museum. Yeah. What would what would the harm of taking down the statue be? So because again, so like just just to go back to a point, like if the statues are supposed to signal someone you should emulate, yeah. this society. I mean, we have moved up to a point where this is no long. These are no longer people to emulate. No. So f- at first level is the erasure of history is a problem, but that'll be fixed if you uh, put it. I mean, muse- put no, the statues in a museum. I mean, for Thomas Jefferson, they're still in textbooks. So. Yeah. So erasure of history won't be a problem if the museums and textbooks reflect it. So erasure of history is not much of a problem. Two, when we remove statues though, when we have discussions about statues, I don't think we should look at these people as representations of a particular… Like it's another form of identity politics. Because they are white, they represent the white uh, male patriarchy. No lah. These people had… You have to look at these people's motivations. So, but and in the backdrop of what they… Where they were… The morality of the time, what were they doing? I think those things need to be taken into consideration. So that's the same argument why you wouldn't take down a statue of George Ari- Washington, right? I mean, you could even go further back like Aristotle, lah, but hmm. again, I think… Because all these people were… You know, slavery was socially acceptable. Yeah, time. but if if if, stand, if standards change… I'm <laughs> so like, if you, if, you want, if, you, if you want to argue the case that it reminds people of a time where society was more oppressive… Hmm. 
that could be done using another medium. Mm. I don't see why statues need to do this educational work. Mm. Because... I, I think, just I think liken the burning or destruction of statues of like the church back in the day burning books that they felt unpleasant. Okay, sure. You know, that that that's my biggest thing. And so you have problem like this. When you oversimplify, you have things like Damien Molokai, for, for example, his statue definitely shouldn't be taken down. Definitely. I would say 100% his statue should be taken down. But if this only okay, if you group him as white male, then yeah, his statue should be taken down. But <laughs> that's not all he who he was. There was so much more to the man. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to land on a on a point of defense because mm. again, I I see it as completely like you take down, don't take down. It's a problem lah. I just mm. I'm not crazy about the idea that this is actually the way we preserve history. Mm. I think there are more like if you actually want to capture the nuance, the nuance are not in the statues. Mm. It is. It seems that that the way you're looking at it is purely as a reaction to liberals doing mm. this as a function of identity politics. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if the reception would be the same if alt-right people went around, you know, defacing artworks by black people. I don't know. I, I think that Yeah, is, I would think that would be horrible as well. Yeah, but <laughs> I think the the, the, uh, the history <laughs> argument then, then slants a different way. Like if someone were to go down and take down, okay, maybe a statue of Malcolm X, a little bit more problematic than, for example... Martin Luther, okay. yeah, take down statues of uh, Malcolm X. And I'll be like, yeah, that, that again, doesn't make sense. Especially if they especially if they say, oh, he's a black man, so we take down the statue. This, it's problematic. Why? Again, it's a type of identity politics. You're trying, just because he's black, you take him, you're taking the statue down. Just because he's white, you take down the statue. It's weird. You, so, so what are your arguments? Should, for, what's your arguments for keeping it up? Um... <sighs> I, again, my thing is not so much on the whether... I, I just feel that when we talk about statues being removed, the criteria should be at least we look at the content of the person's character rather than just lumping it all up again as part of this patriarchal white... Okay, maybe we're at a bit of a deadlock because we have other topics we need to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, at least food for people to uh, think kind about, of uh, chew on. Statues here to What's down. your position? Do you think statues should be removed? Uh, do you think we you should go a, to Tunku what Negara? Tunku Negara. <laughs> Tunku Negara <laughs> removed. I don't even recognize most of the people on it. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, join us in uh, the comment section. <laughs> two weeks time as we go protest to Gunagar. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you in Dutton and Medica with like 50 yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's for a good cause. <laughs> okay. Um, next point. And it kind of is connected and it flows. Actually, it's just going to be an extension of what we're already talking about. So it <laughs> flows quite well. Is DSN, Datuk Sri Najib, going to be real? Uh, is he going to make a comeback in terms of power? Uh, no, probably not. Because I, I think there are know. even people who are... On, I think there are even like... People on the Amno side who are kind of soured by what he did. Yeah, KJ is one of them. There's basically a split in Amno now, lah. Yeah, there's a, a very clear split. Mm. You have people like Zaid Hamidi who's basically pro pro standing by Najib. Uh, he's, I mean, well, I would like to speculate that he's only doing that because his case is like basically, <laughs> pending. Pending. Yeah, he's, we are not going to say anything uh, problematic <laughs> here because <we're> very proper. <laughs> Zaid Hamidi has a case in court. We of course don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know I choose not to read. We, <laughs> don't, we don't don't quote know. me on anything. <laughs> we don't know whether he's guilty or innocent or whether he's going to be guilty. We have no idea. <laughs> what we know is he's been very supportive of the SN. And uh people like KJ, for example, have not been. You know, there's a clear divide. 
But again, uh, whether he's going to come back to power, actually, I'm not too sure. But I can only imagine him coming back in power if any, if he's, he's either he's pardoned or his um, this SRC decision is overruled. Mm. So that's at least maybe a year or two, lah, right? If that happens. I mean, the, the, the reason this is interesting to speculate on is because there isn't actually another Amno figure mm. of national caliber. He, mm. I mean, if you think about it, Zahi Hamidi as a, as nah. a deputy prime minister was not very memorable. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't think anyone else can really take the reins. <laughs> to be fair, people used to say the same thing about Mohidin. That's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, um, he's prime minister maybe by an accident or But something. that's why people are looking to Shafi Abdal now. Uh, as a, he seems to be a bit more. Good luck, guys. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your odds. <laughs> but uh, again, there seems to be or a bigger or wider discussion to be had on. I guess this Bosco for phenomenon. Mm. Besides is, the people worried about the COVID nineteen situation <laughs> in front of the gate, la. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have a situation where this guy, um, look, like he he goes to court. He's found guilty. Fair enough, you know. Even before that, when they raided the house, mm. 400 Rosmas yeah, bags, bags was about 400 million. No, and the, and the generally, cash. Generally, <laughs> you, know, you know when you go to your house, <laughs> the only money you keep in your house is your loose change. Yeah, I don't even you know have the coins, <laughs> the coins, you know, like the two ringgit in your drawer. <laughs> That's the only thing you have in your house. This is their loose change, like, I think. Yeah. I think this is their loose change. And if 400 million is their loose change, has anybody ever asked themselves, why, would, why don't you just give like 10, 20% to the people? They did. They gave it to their cronies. Huh? Yeah, to their cronies. <laughs> like, it never filtered. But my point is, even if you don't agree, if you... I find that you even have supporters up to that trial stage really odd. Mm -hmm. It just, it's... At that point, it's not that it's... It's not rational. It's not non-rational. It is irrational. <laughs> you might even think he's innocent, but even the level of richness that he has, the level, the amount of money he has, mm. should invoke a question like, that's too much of money to, to have as a public officer, right? A public official. And that money, if you really care about the country, Shouldn't, knowing how yeah. bad the country was doing at the time, that money should have watered down. Those bags that she got, you know, it's really just too lavish. As a layperson, that's what I would think. Okay. I'm suffering here. Shouldn't I have gotten a little bit? You could have helped us out, right? <laughs> but no, you have people standing by him. Right? You have people standing by him. You have people at the court standing outside the gate. Yeah. In, they, they braved the COVID scare. They risked their <laughs> lives. They risked their lives. I don't know if they were thinking about it very much or so. In protest, they refused to wear masks. In protest, in solidarity. <laughs> I don't know if that happened. <laughs> it would be really scary if it did. Do you know how long that decision went? Yeah, no. I think it, like they broke for lunch and then they waited some more. No, so it the decision was in the morning. No, there was one. There was one charge that was read in the morning. The remaining six were read like slightly later or something. Yeah, yeah, slightly later in the afternoon. But then it continued on to the next day. No, no, no. It continued on in the evening because they entered mitigation. Oh, so mitigation both like you know, um, Shafi was saying like you know, DSN is it did so much for the country. Blah 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 blah. Uh, to mitigate the sentence. Mm. And then the SN also said a few words. He even did his uh, what Sumpa Laknat or I don't know whether I'm saying that right. Yeah, you you, know? you are, but I thought that happened another time. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You can take that sumpah again. Is it? He, I mean, he. No one asked him to do it. He ah, just he like, just I want to say a few words. I did da 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 da. Then he made his. He just swore lah. Yeah. Then right. he he doesn't know anything. Then of course the other side. Um, what's his name? Uh, Sidam. So Sidam then uh, this did his counter to the mitigation. Mm. Then the judge gave his uh, sentence. And then after that, it was the hearing for the stay. Right. So you know actually what time they ended? They ended at 8 o'clock at night. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. These people were outside the court until 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> chanting and shouting. So like this phenomenon, this Bosco phenomenon, what's driving it? You know, what's going on? That's the, I feel that's a deeper discussion. And it's a discussion that really needs to be had if we're going to make any valuable progress. I would disagree. Okay, go for it. Because um, I think it's like capturing the very like hardcore like base. I so you think these are outliners? Yeah. Outliers, sorry. Yeah, because I think uh, even though I criticize uh, Dirty Money, the Netflix, like, mm. do, the Netflix uh, documentary, mm. they did capture a certain sentiment in that like, um, you know, he was a crook, but he was a crook for me. Mm. You know, I got to see some of the benefits, mm. right? So these people, I don't think are passionate enough to sit at, stand in front of the gates. Mm. I think there are a section of people that have like internalized all the stuff that are reposted on social media that mm. by their cyber troopers that basically fed like a kind of narrative, fed like a Trump-like narrative that yeah. is all fake news. You know, even yeah. the rate, like, I mean, I think there are people who are convinced that it didn't, it wasn't real. It was all trumped up. Yeah. You could, you could, I think you could find people like that. Almost mm. like if you gathered all the conspiracy theorists in the United States, put them in front of the White House, they mm. would look like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Right? But that is a mistake to think that that is how the majority of people think. Yeah. I, I do think, again, similar to, well, actually, American politics and Malaysian politics are so different. Yeah. But yeah. there is a common kind of like a sense of insecurity because you have the majority who feel for some reason threatened. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they see an imbalance of economic power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess the story was told to them like since pre, maybe even pre-independence, you know. Look at, I mean, look at all the Chinese people doing well. Mm-hmm. But I'm not doing well. There's something wrong. Oh, well, that's because all Chinese people support each other. Well, if all Chinese people support each other and they're helping each other out, then we need to help each other out. Mm-hmm. And this is a Malay country, so the government needs to help us, right? Ketuanan Melayu. That's such a weird phrase. Mm-hmm. Supremacy of Malay people. Such a problematic phrase at the time we are living in now. Mm. Um, that's almost like the very definition of racism. <laughs> the supremacy <Yeah>. of a particular <laughs> race. At the I time, mean, it wasn't problematic. Now, it's the phrase, the phrase has become problematic. I mean, at the time, there were Malay people who pushed back on it also. So Yeah, there was a pushback, but I just mean the phrase. Oh, the, phrase the, the maintenance in, of that. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit problematic now. Because American politics has even... The effects, we feel it even here. You know? In what sense? I think people are very aware of like the BLM movement. So would, race is a... I would... Nobody wants to be racist for some reason. I would caution that this is a, like a Twitterverse phenomenon. Like I, I tend not... I, I, tend, I am very skeptical about, skeptical about using social media as a barometer. Yeah. Mm. Because I think like they are in... Just to segue very shortly... Like there are people who write who have a living, like liberals who have who who make a living of writing about left Twitter. Yeah. And left Twitter is really nobody who takes part in politics. It's all these like uh, millennials who think they are, you know, Maoist 
or, you know, they believe in like uh, the North Korean ideology like Juche. And they just, you're just competing <laughs> with each other for the best post. Yeah. Right? And you can make a living as a liberal yeah. just saying, you know, look at how petty these people are and yeah. like all that. So, but that's not a representation because they're these just are, commenting on this pure, it's a purity politics yeah. game. La. It's, it's purely sport. Or they could be com- commenting on like cyber troopers. Could be. Yeah. Could be. The cyber troopers is a legit thing. Correct. People are getting paid to just put up fake, manage multiple fake accounts mm. and just rile people up yeah, yeah. for no reason. So, but I mean, why I bring up the mm. left Twitter example is because mm. these are not the people who went out to canvas for Bernie Sanders. Mm. So there needs to be, a, there is a distinction to be made between left Twitter and the real world. So yeah. in the same way, I think that, I think there is a tendency to, because I think uh, Bangsa Bubble <laughs> the, the hashtag was trending bubble, yeah. was trending on Twitter uh, maybe two three weeks ago. Even Kyrie like chimed in on it, right? Uh-huh, yeah. But the you but, guys don't come after my bangsa, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will I put my foot down. I'll be a bangsa. If you're gonna take that side, uh, I don't know. <laughs> With my sickle and hammer, I'll be in front of bangsa. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be a sickle and hammer. Like it's gonna be probably something really posh. <laughs> my my Mercedes and my iPhone. And <laughs> My Mercedes and my iPhone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to look like that. Yeah. Not the hammer and sickle. Yeah. <laughs> the Bangsa Bubble is a really good example because yeah. it was right-wing Twitter yeah. versus liberal Twitter yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> this yeah. was the battle that was going on. How much that's really connected <laughs> to the ground is really yeah. hard to say. Yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, shouting at no one, basically. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But there is on the ground a uh, sense of defranchisement. You, I'm sure you would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I think that's more, I mean, again, as someone who's a bit more left-wing, mm. uh, that's a bit more economic. Okay, that, what's the where, economic argument? I think that there is a lot of uh, underemployment. Mm. And I think, uh, my friend wrote an interesting paper mm. about how the Malaysian, the Malaysian government mm. actually like, Contrary to what, like, I mean, this is doesn't this doesn't exactly fit like the Chinese people's conspiracy theory about how like the Malaysian government is keeping the education system dumb so that people don't rise up and vote against them, that kind of thing. I don't think it's at that level. Mm. But uh, there are certain phenomenons where the I've gum- never heard that conspiracy before. Okay, I think only Chinese people. Are That's a pretty it. crazy conspiracy. I've seen it brought up in forums because like, I was wow. at the forum and ideas and like. I think it was about the education system. And this mm. guy brought up like, this guy of course caveated it like this might seem a bit deranged to say, yeah. but you know, he thinks that the education system is brought down to a lower level so that people don't reach the levels of education to be able to question their government, mm. right? To think that our government are like 10 steps ahead. Mm. Even I don't want to give them that kind of like, <laughs> credence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, they can't know. even run themselves. <laughs> they can't be doing this mastermind <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years strategy. Could be like a really good accident. Like. They're yeah. just really happy about it. But yeah. uh, back to the... Oh shoot, where was I? Uh, uh, economic, the economic argument, yeah. right? Uh, there, is, there is a case to be made that a lot of, like the, it is this kind of stunted capitalism. Mm. They, they gave, and it does feel like the, the, the Mahate like, kind of mindset that, mm. um, you know, people are constantly given subsidies and therefore they don't rise above it, mm-hmm. right? I think that's because it's poor implementation. There's no, there are lots of carrots, no sticks, right? Mm-hmm. In, in industrial policy, like for instance, in Korea, they gave a lot of the early like steel mills and automotive companies incentives, but also told them the incentives are going to disappear if you don't export within 10 years. Yeah. So there were lots, there's a carrot and a stick, right? For Malaysia, capitalism was stunted because it was all, all, all carrot, no stick. Mm. So there are a lot of people that are maintained on the periphery. So mm. you can hear a lot of stories about like the paddy industry. The paddy industry 
it's a really like bad in like bad industry, but it has a lot of jobs. So there are paddy farmers who receive fertilizers that are completely useless, but the the fertilizer is being subsidized by the government. So the fertilizer mm. producer yeah. is has a job because the government continues to pay them. Yeah. They give the rice, the paddy to mills that are monopolized by the government. Government, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then like it's maintained, for example. Yeah, it's maintained very shittily. So yeah. everybody along the chain is being maintained through government funding, mm. but productivity never goes up. So like mm. there is a case to be made that these these people are maintained at a really low level in terms of income, mm. have that kind of, had also go through a kind of struggle that we don't see. We think that because they are state dependent, they are comfortable. You mm. can be state dependent yeah. and still live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. It's still a kind of like anxiety you have to go through, right? And also there's a level of relative poverty, right? Yeah. Because you see other people doing so well. Right. And you might be making your bare minimum, you might have a little bit, even a little bit of savings, mm. but you're like, I'm not doing as well as these other people Correct. in the private sector, for example. Yeah. Yeah, so the, then there's a political response, right? The political response is, well, that's because these people are secretly oppressing you. And this seems oh, to no. cut. But I think the Mahathir one is that these people are lazy, which is an even, like, it's an even stranger argument. Mahathir was a fringe. In that way, Mahathir was pretty fringe though. Like, yeah, yeah. That was an unpopular opinion. Yeah, he was willing to buck the Amno sort of ideology. Like, yeah. yeah. Credit to him. Mm. But there is a, a, a kind of like, I'm oppressed or I'm being victimized kind yeah, of narrative correct. that cut both cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. You have political but, uh, but parasites, you, I would but you can see, But you can see that, that when you bring up the economic side of things mm. and the political side, there's no chain, mm-hmm. right? There's no link between them because you bring them up separately, mm. right? The, the oppression is usually takes the form of ethnic and religious kind of language. Yeah. So it doesn't take on economic language. It doesn't always take on economic language because yeah, but people, it feeds. It feeds from the economic. So one way to think about it is this economic anxiety is yeah. alleviated using uh, ethnic and yeah, religious correct. language, but not the, el- not alleviated like Maybe like so either, either suppressed lah. But yeah. there is there is there is a relationship. Yeah, so, I follow you. I follow you. So in that way, that they, I mean, to me, Amno themselves are obscuring the link. Yeah, correct. They don't want you to think about your what kind of systems feed your economic position yeah. and why that is the case. I mean, the government's not going to say, oh, we've mismanaged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're no not going to say, we've mis- mis- they're not going to admit we've mismanaged things. They're going to say, no, you have to understand that they are the problem. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, I, but it cuts both ways as well. I mean, I on so. the other side, yeah, I do think that we also have a, a narrative of like, oh, Malay people are, have been given everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They've been given everything and yeah, we are yeah. suffering. And again, we, everyone is just, again, uh, virtue signaling, everyone <laughs> wants to be in the position of being the victim. So the other person then becomes the villain. But like you said, there's a further discussion where it's not about victims or heroes here. It's about economic, uh, economical kind of factors mm-hmm. that are not being addressed adequately. Yeah. And maybe if they were addressed adequately, then who knows, maybe religious and ethnic tensions <laughs> might even reduce. I mean, this is where the this is where ideologies would clash. La, because mm. people in the middle class who have accrued certain kinds of advantages mm. will not think about handouts in the same way the poor think about handouts. Mm. So fundamentally, even if we do resolve the racial question, mm. the clash will be economic. The clash yeah. will be between free markets and developmental But states. do you think if we fix the economical problem, would there still be racial and religious problems? Depends how you fix it. Mm. Yeah, it really depends how you fix it. So there, there are equitable ways about fixing it, mm. right? That's why people like to talk about race-blind affirmative action, mm. that kind of thing. But I think even that will that even that doesn't solve the problem because I think people can spin it a certain way. 
Okay, brilliant. Yeah. We have to move on to our third topic because... Yeah, time's running out. Time's running out. <laughs> and it's a pretty hefty third <laughs> point. You, you, can com- you can leave in the comment section if you want us to continue with this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, if you want a further discussion, we are more than happy to oblige. Third point for discussion today. It's supposed to be a, a more fun discussion Supposedly. to kind of balance that too. Uh, there's God exists or points or arguments for God's existence. Yeah. I think you you should kick off with, I think that the for for our audience's sake also like the five proofs of God. Yeah. 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 If Actually, I haven't done any reading about this. <laughs> so this is, let me just like, as I usually, usually do, let me just preface this by saying that this is… We know nothing. We know nothing. <laughs> we don't know anything we're talking about. Um, this is just uh, uh, my… Uh, me in my early 20s watching many YouTube videos <laughs> about arguments between atheists and religious I mean, people. everybody's being like, everybody <laughs> is being, well, what's the word for it? Like, everybody's being brought up using YouTube. Right yeah, man. Is. YouTube is the third parent that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all have. Or the first and second. <laughs> oh, damn, son. <laughs> Social critique. I mean, how much time you spend on YouTube? Mama Tube. <laughs> Mama YouTube. I don't think about it in that Papa way. Papa YouTube. <laughs> You're looking at their phone, looking at YouTube, like calling that person Papa. <laughs> talking to the phone. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I guess there's two parts to the discussion when you're talking. Okay, so I guess you have to be careful. There's a discussion we had on God. Mm. There's a discussion we had on a personal God, mm. right? So, and creator versus somebody who's sort of like more human, has feelings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a personified um, anthropological anthropomorphic, sorry. Anthropomorphic. <laughs> uh, Russian Gomez, butchering words as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Almost getting the word right. <laughs> okay. uh, so uh, there's a distinction between the two. Mm. Um, and I guess with the former, it's more cosmological sort of arguments. They are descriptive arguments to or rational arguments to argue the existence of God. And then the second, you would go more into like the utility, mm. right? The utility of God, religion. Um, and that's more where interesting questions like why does evil exist and why does suffering exist and yeah. um, or contradictions between different religions. That's mm. where it lies more. Okay, But we talk about the first one because in my opinion, not many people know about the cosmological arguments or even ontological arguments for the existence of God, mm. which is surprising because a lot of people say that it's irrational to believe in God. Um, but actually, no. You can have a rational uh, train of thought that could lead you to an, uh, at least basic level uh, uh, that there is a creator. Mm. Personal God, no. But at least there is a creator. So if you are someone who very strongly holds the view that God does not exist. Mm. And if you hold the view that it's illogical to believe that there is a force that created the universe, these arguments should convince you otherwise or at least make you reconsider or rethink it. Lah. Mm. Because I think it's the arguments you've probably heard are very silly. Like, you know, you you basically think, oh, you're talking about a Santa Claus in the sky, kind of, yeah. you know, or a rotating teacup. I think that's Bertrand I haven't Russell's. heard that one. I think Bertrand also uses the example oh, okay. of a teacup. Um, okay, cosmological arguments. There's a famous philosopher, St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, he's a saint, but mm. he's also a philosopher. If you study philosophy, and you especially study natural philosophy, he's someone alongside um, St. Augustine of Hippo, uh, uh, Blaise Pascal. Okay. These are philosophers that you, you sort of uh, study together. 
there are others. But St. Thomas Aquinas is the OG. He's the king. Mm. And St. Thomas Aquinas was a big fan of Aristotle. Um, Aristotle is someone, when you compare to Plato, Aristotle kind of like looked at the world and believed that you could derive things from the world as they are. Mm. Right? Whereas Plato was more, things are innate. And everything you see outside is kind of like a shadow shadow of the that yeah. innate lah. So of course the famous allegory of the cave and whatever. Again, I just want to say that I'm really not an expert in this area. <laughs> that this is just my basic, basic, basic. Understanding. If somebody can explain the allegory of the cave better, we welcome you to come on the I show. I can. I think I can. No, as in like there's some there's not probably like some deeper like kind of arguments yeah, to be made about maybe, like yeah. do we live in the matrix? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is definitely. this all a simulation? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Am I going to wake up? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, like that's like a Descartes kind of… Uh, yeah, understanding of being and all that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then you have St. Thomas Aquinas who's a big friend of Aristotle. Then following from Aristotle's like thought processes, St. Thomas Aquinas kind of lays down five ways to prove God. La. That mm. He calls it the five ways, the five proofs of God. He writes it in a book called Summa Theologica. Mm. I think it's the only book yet. Kind of, it's the only kind of compendium mm. of like a philosophy. I, I don't think it's even complete. Hmm. There's a famous story that <laughs> there's a famous story of him just having a vision one day, and he supposedly saw God, and then he just realized that everything he wrote was straw, right? And was, so he like straw. Oh. It's just like he touched his whole life work was just like nothing to what wow. he saw. Okay. And so there's a story of him just like not <laughs> continuing writing, and he went on to teaching, and okay. he never finished the book, lah. Mm. Right? So he, okay, <laughs> into <Back> the <laughs> arguments. <laughs> The first argument is the argument for motion. Mm. Um, and it's very similar to the second argument which is the argument argument of causation. And he, actually even the third argument. Um, the argument for motion is basically very simply things move, right? But when you say something moved, you explain that movement by another movement. Yeah. If I kick a ball, I explain the ball moving through my leg. Mm. And of course, with my leg kicking the ball, my, there is a reason why my leg moved, contraction of muscles, and everything just goes back and back and back and back. So St. Thomas Aquinas says like, if everything is moved by something else mm. and you take it all the way back, there must be a point where it was never moved. Mm -hmm. And St. Thomas Aquinas will call that the unmoved mover. And that is for St. Thomas Aquinas, God. Mm. The thing itself that cannot be moved, the thing in itself that explains itself. Okay. The movement. So… For an example, you can take like a domino, set of dominoes, right? Imagine the dominoes falling, like, you know, a chain of dominoes falling. That's movement, right? St. Thomas Aquinas will say that God is that, that finger that pushed the first domino, mm. right? The only alternative to this argument is an infinite regress, yep. meaning an infinity, mm. meaning there was no beginning to the movement. Movement always was, is. Mm -hmm. And I find this, in my opinion, maybe I'm biased, a less compelling argument. Mm -hmm. It just, just my, my brain is small. It's a human brain. I, <laughs> I can't comprehend it, but right. I just don't find it compelling, right? So when people say that there's no rational argument for God, I say, no, I think there is, you know, but you, I think there's still, you can have an argument for it. Lah. Second one is the argument for causation. Same thing. Everything that's caused is caused by something else. Yeah. Another example I can use is chicken egg. You know, mm -hmm. which came first? So, one person will say chicken, but then where did chicken come from? From an egg. Or where did the egg come from? From a chicken. So, if you believe that that cycle never had a beginning, it's an infinite regress. Mm. But 
if you follow St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas will say, no, God put something first, mm. right? And that started the cycle. The yeah. beginning of the cycle is God, right? So that's causation. The third one is argument for contingency. Again, similar, like everything, there are contingent things and there are necessary things. Mm-hmm. Or another way, like there's um, something and nothing. Okay. And St. Thomas Aquinas says like, nothing cannot come from nothing. Okay, right. You know, there must be something at the beginning for everything else to flow out of. Nothingness plus nothingness is just nothingness. Mm, okay, yeah. Something plus nothing would become something. Mm. So, every being is sort of contingent on mm. something else. But there must be a being in itself that is necessary for all contingent beings to sort of flow out. Okay, okay. I might be butchering this argument, but that's just like a simple idea. Like, Basically, how can nothing come from nothing? Mm-hmm. Think of like an empty… Think of your hand cupping imaginary water and you pour it. There's no water because it's empty. Nothing will be nothing. Mm-hmm. Take an actual cup of water and you pour it. That's from something, you can… It flows, right? So, there's the argument for contingency. Fourth argument is argument for beauty. Uh, and this, this one might catch some people off. Yeah. yeah. So, this… Actually, I think all of them <laughs> catch everybody off. I I'm not sure. I've very, met very few people who know about this argument. No, as in like the beauty one might be the one that doesn't fit like a logical kind uh, of frame. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the idea is we all have a sort of uh, desire for beauty. Not only a desire, but we have a way of evaluating things like beauty, goodness. And for you to evaluate something, there must be uh, two contrasting points, I suppose. Like if you think about color, color stands between white and black. Mm-hmm. every color is actually just within that spectrum. Right. And what you're comparing when you look at color is you're actually comparing it to the utmost… To, to something of the other extreme. Exactly. Mm, okay. And the argument for beauty or morality is for you to have any contemplation of beauty or goodness, there must be a being in itself that was like ultimate, the ultimate form of that for you to… Like a yardstick. Okay. There must be a yardstick. And so like St. Thomas Aquinas would say, oh, that yardstick is God. <clears throat> so that's the fourth… Fifth one is the argument, the theological the teleological argument, which is, from my understanding, the watchmaker um, analogy. Mm-hmm. I think you would have. It's a very famous… Um, yeah, but for the benefit of our audience. Yeah, so basically, it's the idea that if something looks like it's designed, mm. there should be a designer. Mm. Like, imagine you walking down the beach and you see a watch, you pick up the watch, then you like just observe it then you realize that, oh, this watch corresponds with time and, you know, it's made with a particular, like it's, it seems to have a function. Mm-hmm. And then your next question is like, if it, it's doing something, it's created, there must be a creator, mm-hmm. right? And so that's another argument, the last argument for, you know, so these are the five cosmological arguments. Mm, there are other variations of this. Um, Dr. Lane Craig has uh, the Kalam um, cosmological argument. Okay. Which um, is actually derived from Muslim um, philosophy. Um, you have the ontological argument by Anselm, which is different, a whole different thing, but more easily criticized. That argument I found even more difficult to understand. But yeah, <laughs> once you get it, you kind of okay. Okay. So yeah, those are the arguments for God. Um, I think the problem is from there, 
do you want to uh, any questions or any <laughs> any points you want? I mean, I'm I'm not sure how often you get into this discussion because people people here don't really talk about God. Like mm. I think our Buddhist and Muslim friends, I mean, our Buddhist and Hindu friends mm. don't really bring up God in the same way those of us of the monotheistic faith mm. talk about these like proofs and all that. Yeah, I mean, they I think they certainly have their own uh, discussions, mm. but the debates are really heated between the 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 monotheistic faiths, mm. and so. Um, I was just like curious, like I mean, do you do you hear any convincing rebuttals? Yeah. So, was that three minutes? Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's okay, lah. <laughs> Bonus content for everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the well, one argument. Okay, if you're talking about an argument against the cosmological arguments, is that why can't there be an infinite regress, mm-hmm. lah? Yeah. Why can't a universe come into being, disappear, come into being? Why not? Mm-hmm. Because we really can't comprehend the universe. But um, I look at the universe and there's a big bang. There seems to be a beginning. There seems to be an ending. So I just don't find that compelling. A more, for me, compelling argument when are talking about God is the ramifications of that. Like jumping to a personal God. Because you can argue for, with these cosmological arguments, you can argue for personal God. Because for you to be able to, for, 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 the actualization, right, from potential to actual, there must be like an intention. And intention is a very personal, mm. it, it's almost like a human It's being. far too human actually. Yeah. So that's actually the extension of the argument to argue for personal God. But then comes the problem, okay, here's where for me the problem is, we have a personal God, now we have to deal with all the things that come with that. Because it seems like we have a very arbitrary God. Yep. Um, like one good argument I've heard is, okay, so you've created Earth, people are messed up, a lot of bad things. So you say, okay, that this is a process of refining and you know, you're eventually going to go to heaven. Then the question is like, wait, in heaven, is there sin? Mm. Then you're like, no, why? Because you're before God, it's perfection. You're you are oriented to the good. Wait, then why can't God come down now and orient everyone perfectly? Now, yeah, that's very... Very yeah. interesting. That that becomes like because we've seen it in movies, it seems far too convenient that this God is putting through her to a test. Yeah. Watching us in a room. We're yeah. like, mm, how good is this guy doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh I mean, I guess the biggest problem is like if you have a God who is this amazing, this powerful, this mm. good, it seems like his solution seems a bit flawed. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, an in- interesting extension of the argument is like animal suffering. It seems really arbitrary that animals have to suffer. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, and there's counter arguments to this, right? But the problem is like, can there be a lessening of suffering? You know, like would a, wouldn't a truly compassionate God lessen the pain of animals? Because animals in particular don't do anything uh, with they a rational have, mind. You yeah, know? they don't have morality per se. Yeah. And another problematic question is like, do you even think these animals are going to go to heaven. Because <laughs> if they're not going to go to heaven… A lot of dog lovers are really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, even in Christianity, I think there's an argument about… There's a debate. Oh, wow. The dogs might actually go to heaven? Yeah. There's patron saints of animals. Huh. Mm. Okay. They have blessings for… Like, on like St. Francis of Sissi's uh, uh, feast day, dogs go to… I mean, they bring the animals to church and they, the church blesses the animals. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a kind of an idea that like these creatures are of God. Uh, so, they kind of like go back to God. Mm. That's the counter-argument. So, don't know whether in heaven they will actually be the way we… Actually, a lot of things about heaven we don't know. <laughs> but I mean, the, but the point is, 
if they don't go to heaven though, then their suffering on earth seems really arbitrary. Mm, yeah. And that's that's again a very compelling argument. Mm. Yeah. So there are kind of a lot of um, interesting arguments when it comes to that. Uh, what other arguments are there? I mean, because it seems like the the point, I mean, the the point about not, I think you can't really prove one way or the other. So the more interesting, the more interesting phenomenon I've observed is like, why do people tend towards one or the other? Because you can't, we, we will never be able to observe under a microscope mm. the first mover phenomenon, mm. right? We will just have to infer that mm. from what we see today, mm. right? So, and it, that, that requires a leap of faith mm. both on both sides. Whether you believe there is a mover or there isn't a mover, mm. it requires you to take a certain stand and then just act on, not, not, not necessarily act on it, but believe it, mm. right? And so like, the for people who think about this philosophically, mm. it comes down to a certain kind of mindset, like Whether there is, whether you think there should be natural or natural order or shouldn't be natural order. I found that that was a division. People who are looking, people who who believe that there needs to be a certain kind of order to mm. things, like, And mm. these people tend to tend 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 to move towards the argument of natural law. Mm. There should be a maker. You know the the world looks like it's created, and hence there should be somebody who created the order. Yeah, I mean, because the truth is, if you don't believe in God, um, it's actually a really scary world to live in. Yeah, if you really, I mean, I have recently like kind of experiences where I kind of, I don't know why, but I just grapple that I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. Just like just that feeling, mm. right? I'm gonna die one day. One day I'm gonna die. And no one's going to remember me. Mm-hmm. Like my children might, my grandchildren might, but know. after that, no, mm-hmm. no one is ever going to remember me. In a hundred years' time, no one is going to know I've existed. Mm. My life now is meaningless. <laughs> it's pointless. It is nothing. It is a speck less than a dot in the ocean. And that's why we do the Rumor Roy podcast. <laughs> that's why we do the Rumor Roy podcast <laughs> to build a legacy for future generations to remember us. <laughs> we were alive. The aliens won't understand what the hell this is. <laughs> but you know that, 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 you know, so like, philosophers grapple with this existential crisis. Mm. I mean, people use Nietzsche as like a kind of patron saint of uh, uh, the 80s movement. But Nietzsche like, de- he f- understood very well that when the masses lost religion, it was going to lead to a real existential crisis. Mm. And there would be uh, something to fill it up, which was probably going to like mess everybody up. Mm. Because when you really understand that there's no God, you're just a bag of blood and bones on this random rock in mm. this random universe with no meaning. Yep. It is extremely scary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but people have enough distractions in their lives to not really have to think hard about this. And that's why like, I think, I think there is a tendency to, to believe there is an afterlife mm. just so this life has meaning. Yeah. Right? Because otherwise, yeah, like you said, like, people would go mad. Like, I mean, what am I doing this for? Yeah. Right? And that's, why, that's why there's also people who live for enjoyment, right? Because mm. you can't comprehend all of it. You might as well enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you can't really blame either of those people. Yeah. But I mean, that's, yeah, it's an animal kind of instinct. Like you mm. increase pleasure and reduce pain. You yeah. Know? But again, just to kind of wrap up, maybe I just want to give a counter argument to that. Or what I said about the pain, suffering, animals, just to, for everyone to kind of have a 
complete view. The counter argument to that is what we kind of understand of pain. Because there are higher ordered goods that might lead from suffering. Mm. You know, so like you can only really understand strength if you have been in a position of weakness. You can only really understand life if you have experienced death. Um, you can only understand safety if you have experienced danger. Okay. So there are higher ordered goods. Like even for example, you argue that a baby dying in the most random way. You can argue, uh, I mean a bit difficult, but in an emotional level, it's very difficult to understand. But in a very um, worldwide sort of like long-term view, you can argue for higher ordered goods. Like if you, uh, your only way you appreciate life is if you understand its shortness and, and things like that. You know, you only appreciate your next day if you realize that by tomorrow you can go. Um, things like that. You only appreciate, um, like for example, humanity, um, its best development has been us being able to empathize with people who suffer, right? So, I mean, that there are higher ordered... What I'm just saying, what I'm trying to say is just that um, pain by itself um, may not be the best way to see whether something is good or not. Mm -hmm. You can have good pain, lah. What I'm trying, what is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I think too much of that is far too convenient for me. Like mm. it's 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 spun in a certain way, you know, because there are people who are survivors of all sorts of abuses. Mm. Said like, you know, uh, I am able to minister to people who have gone through this abuse because I've gone through it. Mm. Right? That that but that completely excuses the idea that the abuse should have it should have taken place in the first place. Right, mm. so to retroactively justify it, mm. like good for you for getting through it, but that's that's that probably doesn't actually approach the idea of why there should be evil in the world. You're you are sort of justifying it after the fact, mm. and so that that one I see that one I tend to think is far too convenient, and that's why I think the problem of evil, mm. like if for me lah, I mean the way I would the way I explain it to people. I mean, it it was really compel it was really compelling for me. Mm -hmm. Think the arbitrariness for me is what the absolute deal breaker when it came to the problem of evil. Because mm. you know, if we think that evil people will get their will will get their dues, like will mm. get what they deserve, mm. um, it's really convenient that we don't get to see it. Mm. It's really convenient that we don't get to see, it. and mm. then that feeds into like politics and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way to end it. I just hope that at the very least, people have, uh, maybe they are, you know, they are more aware now of like these different, different... Um, yeah, you know. pe people, sh people should think about it because I guess... Even the Kalama argument is actually pretty interesting. It's just three premises. The premise one is um, um, every beginning has a cause. Mm -hmm. Premise one. Premise two, the universe has a cause. Uh, sorry, the universe has a beginning. We know that universe has a beginning. Right. Then you three. The universe has a cause. Right. That's okay. it. That's the, the Kalama argument. <laughs> so it's a rational sort of uh, premises, lah. Then you'd have to go through the steps of telling people why that's relevant. No? You have to attack each premise. I mean, not no, not just that. Like why? Like why? Like why should? I mean, I think majority of efforts by the churches is trying to get young people into the church. Mm. So like, the idea is the question would be how to make it relevant. For people who are just glued to their phones. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and drugging up. And I don't know how much drugging up they're doing. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway, we're really out of time now. Uh, Jeremy, any final thoughts? Uh, think about why you exist. <laughs> yeah. 
Please do think about as uh, Socrates said, uh, life unexamined uh, is not worth living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a good way to end this podcast. Again, if you haven't, uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Check out the videos by Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. Uh, please do follow and uh, you know, if you can reshare it, we appreciate it. We're trying to expand our horizons a little bit. iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> all that jazz. Thank you guys so much. Have a great, great, week. great week or we hope you had a great week. <laughs> all right. We, and we are Out. done. <laughs>